0: So you come up with this great new invention or innovation, and you go to market, and then like within a week, somebody copies it. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? So what you need to do is learn how to be uncopyable, and that's what we're going to do on this week's episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I visit with Steve Miller. He's the author of a book called Uncopyable. No more commodity for you. We're going to make your business a star. Check it out. Stuff like payroll and benefits are hard. That's why I switched to Gusto. And to help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal – If you sign up for their payroll service today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance, and my guest today is Steve Miller. He is a consultant, speaker, and author, including the book we're going to talk about today called Uncopyable, How to Create an Unfair Advantage Over Your Competition. So Steve, thanks for joining me. Hey, John. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the invitation. So I'm going to let you do kind of a um, response to something I hear all the time. I sell blah, 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 and everyone has the same blah, blah, blah. How, how in the world am I going to differentiate? I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from people selling stuff that they think is just a commodity.
1: Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's so true now because uh, – and it's, and it's technology's fault quite frankly, because, uh, you know, in fact, you and I were just laughing because of, we've been around this for so long. You know, back when I used to have a real job and you you do go into production and build things, uh, a lot of times you had a you had a, an advantage over the competition. And the, the advantage was that you had a little bit of time before before they could catch up with you or copy what you were doing. Um, but over the years, technology has turned it into where it is really hard to differentiate yourself from your competition with just your products or even your services. And so we hear these complaints. You know, you and I both hear these complaints all the time from people saying, God, I come up with a new idea. And gosh, the competition just grabbed it and copied it right away, you know, and uh, – you know, how do I how do I how do I se- separate myself? And uh, and, and it's kind of how how this whole thing got going with me as a consultant was because I saw this happening a number of years ago and ultimately developed into my book. You know, what I try to explain to people is that they've been fighting and competing under the same unwritten rules for so many years. And the unwritten rules are that you you compete by product, service and price. And as you all know, uh if your products are commodities and the customer can't really see a huge difference between your services, well then it boils down to a decision of its price and nobody wants to fight that battle to the, to the bottom. Uh, but unfortunately most people, that's what they do. I always tell people there's always going to be somebody willing to go out of business faster than you. Yeah. I I, I actually heard you say that once and I thought that was really hilarious.
0: (laughs) I have said it many times on this show as, uh, frequent listeners will will attest. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and what's interesting is um when they do find that way to differentiate, especially a way that is valuable to somebody, then price really goes way down the list, doesn't it? Uh
1: and if and in fact in my opinion if it's done right, price kind of just goes away. Yeah, you know, because the people are uh recognize that what you have, I mean what they're going to pay you for what you have Uh, is far less than what they feel they're going to get back.
0: And think about all the people that are out there, all the companies out there kicking themselves going, I can't believe it. Those guys do blah, blah, blah. And our product is clearly better. Hmm. You know, our service is clearly better. I mean, so, you know, what do you attribute that to? Because I think I think everybody could almost pick a category and say, you know, why are these guys, you know, what are they doing
1: that nobody else is doing? Well, first of all, I, I find it really hard to believe that, I mean, I get it, you know, when, when we have our own product, you know, it's our baby, right? You know, it's our company, of course our product is better, you know, and of course our service is better. Why can't the customer just see that, right? You know, so I think that in a lot of those cases, it's probably that they really aren't that much better, but clearly somebody has done either, you done a better job of marketing uh, or they have just or they or they have created what I call the attachment with the customer to where the customer, they, they become so attached to you that they feel they would lose if they leave. Uh, and that's kind of what the uncopyable philosophy is is all about, is to uh, uh, to develop that relationship where it's not it's not loyalty it's attachment you know uh it's it's those are two those are different things cuz because satisfied customers leave all the time mhm
0: yeah so there's there's a um a i don't know if this qualifies as a quote uh in the book but a line in the book that i um you know so agree with and i think people don't get this idea i want to get to your your you know cuz i'm sure people are starting to say okay how do i do this how do i make myself uncopyable but um, <laughs> Competition doesn't breed innovation. Competition breeds conformity, and I, cash I found that to be true.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've, and that has been kind of one of my mantras for many, many years. Uh, that, uh, be, because you know, when I talk about that we tend to be commoditized. It's, it's within our, it's within our world, right, within our marketplace. Uh, I like to use the example of things like hotels. Uh, how many hotels right now have a curved shower ride? and the answer is all of them they all have curved shower rods in the in in the bathrooms right well you know a few years ago and it really wasn't that that long ago western hotels installed curved shower rods in their hotels thinking you know this is going to be a great differentiator Uh, from us. Well, all the other hotels were watching and they said, well, we can do that, too. Right. And that's what happens is that we are in our own little uh, marketplaces. You know, this is the box that we all talk about. And we are in there and we're all just staring at each other. And when we stare at each other and somebody somebody comes up with something that is typically better, not necessarily different, uh, we just we just say, well, we can do that, but we can do it better. And then, you know, the person across the other side of the box is looking at you saying, oh, well, we can do that, but we can do that better. You know, And it just turns into this, this vicious cycle of, uh, of everybody's copying each other. And so as a result, that type of competition does not breed any type of innovation. It breeds conformity. And when you just stare at each other all day long, you will never come up with new ideas. Well, and it's amazing. I can't tell you how many times I've
0: worked with business owners and showed them, look, everybody's saying the same thing. You know, that's our opportunity. <laughs> and instead, I get the, well, nobody, you know, no other accountant, you know, wears purple shirts. Why would we do that? You know, and that's it's, right. And it's, that's exactly it's almost right. <laughs> like they're afraid of it, you
1: know, and, and uh, <laughs> I think it's a real opportunity, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity because uh, it's like, I you know, I mean, I'll say to people, look, you know, what's the most popular roller coaster in the world? You know, and some and and eventually people start to figure it out. But for the most part, they start thinking about, oh, these big high roller coasters that, you know, if, if you don't black out two or three times, then that wasn't any fun. Right. And uh, when, when the bottom line is it's Space Mountain, you know, Space Mountain is just a roller coaster. And in fact, it's not even a great roller coaster. Uh, it's just a, it's just an average roller coaster. And what Disney did was they said, you know what, everybody else just has these roller coasters that are sitting outside and we, you know, people ride them and they're fun, but I'm going to have something that people, you know, that they don't get anywhere else. And so he created space mountain and they don't even, they don't even call it a roller coaster.
0: One of the things that, um, and this kind of gets at my people are afraid to, you know, to be different sometimes. I think one of the things this takes, and you talk about the, the uncopyable mindset, Right. So that's got to be the starting point, doesn't it? Explain to us what that is.
1: Yeah, it is the starting point. And I actually learned this a number of years ago from a couple of pretty smart people. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my dad was the co-inventor of the 8-track tape player. Uh, I think for most of your listeners, they're probably going to have to go look that up. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't dad who taught me this. It was that they uh, they decided when they were going to manufacture this, they were going to manufacture it in Japan. And back in the 60s, made in Japan was, you know, was a piece of junk. But there was this American who was consulting for Toyota at the time and helping them to develop cars with high quality. And his name was Edwards Deming. And so dad and uh, um, his other partners uh, hired Deming to come in and work with them on creating this, uh, you know, a quality eight track. And. And as a kid, as, as a young teenager, my dad thought it would really be fun to just drag me along to some of these dinners with these guys and stuff, uh, you know, totally ignoring the fact that I was a teenager who had no interest in being around these other people whatsoever. But, but Deming is, is now very, very famous, and he, and one of the things that he used to talk about in his total quality management theory was benchmarking. And, you know, we just talked about that a little bit because benchmarking is is basically means to uh, watch your watch the competition. But 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 the essence of best benchmarking is that you watch the best. Right. And you study best practices and then you emulate within your own context. Now, one of the things that Deming stressed, though, which is what's missed by a lot of companies, is that he said, look, you can't just benchmark your competition because, again, you're not going to come up with new ideas by benchmarking a competition. You benchmark them just to see where you stand uh, in the industry. But when you want to get new ideas, you have to leave your planet and go study aliens. In other words, get out of your box and go study aliens who are completely unrelated to you. And then when you study them... Now you start to see things that you can steal from them. And I call it stealing genius. That's the the technique that I use. And you go study ideas from them and you bring it back into your world and it's brand new. Wouldn't it be great if in your
0: business, all you had to do was the stuff you love, the reason you started the business and not all that administrative stuff like payroll and benefits. That stuff's hard, especially when you're a small business. Now, I've been delegating my payroll for years to one of those big corporate companies and I always felt like a little tiny fish but now there is a much better way. I've switched over to Gusto and it is making payroll and benefits and HR easy for the modern small business. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. If you sign up today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash tape. So, one of the things you mentioned um, was this connection, you know, because again, I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, I just need to make this new twist on my product or this new you know, way that we go to market. Um, and, you know, I especially watch millennials and, um, you know, because I I have four daughters that fit in that age group and, you know, they will spend their last dime to be entertained um, by mm-hmm. a company. And so, and and in fact, won't, in fact, some of them, you know, won't do business with a company if that company doesn't have smart marketing and a good experience. And so, yeah. you know, I think yeah. that that idea that, you know, The real innovation that a lot of people are missing is in creating a better experience.
1: Yeah, exactly. And a great example is that the fact that you mentioned you had four daughters, you know, I have one daughter. And uh, so I assume you're familiar with the American Girl Store. You know, the American Girl Store, you know, did exactly that. Let's start with the fact that it's just a doll store. I mean that's really all all it was all about was was selling a doll. But they decided that the dolls would have stories. So the sto- so the dolls had stories. And in in the early dolls were historically act- historical uh, uh, dolls based on different eras of of American history. And my daughter's was Tiffany, who was uh, the American Revolution. She has um, authentic clothing for that. They had they had books uh, that you could read about. Um, the doll and but that way they would be based in actual uh, you know revolutionary war events Uh, so she learned about the revolutionary war and then when you took their when when you take your daughter to the american girl store you know they had a restaurant they have a beauty salon they I've heard they've even they've even started having a tattoo parlor I'm not sure about that but uh, lots of different ways for the uh for the girls to experience a doll right and so I think that that's that's one of the early really great examples those guys in Disney obviously but uh uh of, of exactly what you're talking about they want to be entertained and uh and it's more than just the product let me throw into your story so we
0: we had all of those and I think I think I was $1200 or so poor, um, after Easily. purchasing some of those. One of, um, we had a dog that, uh, found one of the, one of the dolls and chewed an arm off. And so we looked up, gosh, how do we get this fixed? You know, we spent all this money on it. And so they have a hospital.
1: Yeah, they don't get um, <laughs> they, they they don't get
0: broken. They get sick, and so we sent their doll to the hospital, and it was going to be about a two week process. And about halfway through, my daughter gets a letter from the doctor saying, you know how I can't remember the doll's name, but <laughs> how the doll was doing. And then when we got the doll back, there was a full report of you know how she did and
1: right. what, what happened, and it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, if you'd actually taken the doll to the store. Uh, you, would have, you would have actually gone in and you'd had to check her in to the hospital and somebody in a nurse's uniform would have come out with a wheelchair for the doll. You know, this is actually what they do. I mean, it's 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 fantastic learning experience for those of us that, uh, you know, are stuck in our worlds is to go study those those aliens You know, that, that we have no relationship to. I, I mean, I can't tell you I've, I've had construction. I, had, I took Caterpillar to the American Girl Store and caterpillar came up with uh, you know a ton of new ideas for connecting with their their marketplace and connecting with the 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 drivers of their vehicles and things like that and it was it was just a blast watching watching these men you know, you know walk around with notepads and cameras so there's another um thing that you suggest and
0: i i've Always felt that, you know, this is something that even the smallest of businesses could do. Cause I think a lot of times when we use the word branding, you know, we immediately lose some small business owners because they immediately think of Procter and Gamble or Toyota or whatever, you know, as yeah. a big brand. Yep. But I think it's available in just about every uh, market. And one of my secret weapons over the years has been this idea of owning a word. Yep. Um, and I think that what, what's nice about that is it, is it gives you a filter. It's like, you know, is that our word? Are we living our word? Are we, you know, being true to our word? And I think as much as anything else, it actually helps you from just being a scattered brand.
1: Well, and I think that, I I think that there's, yeah, there's a lot of confusion about the word brand. And what I try to explain to small businesses in particular is that it's probably more important for them uh, because it's, it's what is actually going to help separate them. And so, yeah, you know, like you say, the exa- that's exactly right. And 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 of course, you know, probably the most famous example is is Volvo. You know, they own the word safety. And and if they were to ever start building cars that were not safe, they would destroy their brand. So I think it's I and I think for small businesses. You can, when you can take ownership of something like a word and then you, and then you embody it and you run with it and you, you, you're selling that to your marketplace, then they start to, they attach that word to you.
0: Yeah. Years ago, and I, you know, I, I, put this everywhere, but uh, I wanted to own the word practical because I saw a lot of stuff out there that was pitched at small business that wasn't very practical. And obviously that's, you know, if anybody's going to associate anything with duct tape, it would probably be practical. And and so yeah. that was kind of my embodiment of that word. And, you know, the subtitle of my book was the world's most practical small business uh, yeah. book or something like that. And, uh, and uh, like when I get introduced on shows, you know, he's known as the most practical, of course, that was I called myself that, but um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, absolutely. absolutely. But I think that idea of owning a word just made it simple because then you know, a lot of cases where somebody'd say, Oh, we you know. Have you seen this new tool? And I was like, well, if that's not a practical tool for small business, I, you know, I'm going to pass. And, and right. I think that that's the, that to me is one of the beauties of it is because we're so attracted to, Oh, we could do this or we could do that. And I think owning a word or having that word be your thing allows you to stay based, you know, where you should stay. That's a really good idea.
1: Uh, um, I mean, I do talk about that in my book about, you know, selecting, uh, you know, understanding that if you select something like a word, uh, you know, you can use that to uh, connect with your with your marketplace. But I think that that also exactly what you just said, it grounds you. Uh, and it keeps you kind of on, on point when, when, you know, there are shiny objects all around us.
0: When I started, there were about five ways to get your word out and there are now about 50. And I think that's actually been, uh, the source of a lot of stress for small business owners. It's like, I can't do it all. And I think the point is you probably don't need to, if you have a good strategy.
1: No, that's exactly right. I mean, it's like even, you know, people say to me or you know, people will ask, you know, what, what about social media? What should I do about social media? And I just tell them, well, first of all, find out which one your customers are using. <laughs> you know, don't don't go just using one if they're not on it. <laughs> you know, you know, but but and just pick one, you know, and use that. So, Steve, where can people find out more about your work and
0: obviously pick up uh, a copy of Uncopyable?
1: Well, obviously, the book is on Amazon uh it's done really really well i'm uh, just blown away by how well it's been it's done since it's since it's come out and just you know nothing and 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 i'm going to jinx myself here because i'm going to say that it has nothing but five-star reviews uh and my wife is just totally paranoid that somebody's going to come up with a you know four-star review but uh um tell her the research suggests that 4.6 is actually more believable than five so you really need that one or two four-star reviews Okay, I'll tell her that, <laughs> or she can hear it when she listens to this. But uh, obviously, you can get the book there. Uh, you can connect with me uh, at my website, which is theadventure.com, uh, T-H-E-adventure.com. But in addition to that, um, you know, following along with exactly what we were just talking about, about how branding is so important for, for small businesses, uh, if you go to theadventure.com slash duct tape, one word, um, you can pick up uh, I've got a white paper for you, real quick little we'll read that's got uh, three speed branding tips for small businesses. So
0: awesome, Steve. We'll put that uh, link in the show notes for those of you listening as well so you can just click away on it. So Steve, appreciate you uh, coming on the show and hopefully we'll see you out there on the road someday.
1: Hope so, John. It was a pleasure talking to you.